Back to you, Leslie. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Thanks very much, Alexander. Otherwise, it is with me, Nancy Richards, talking women on the team today. Hazel Mikuzini and Garnet and Quinika. And I've got kind of a Monday type of program today, looking at the workplace and women. Uh, with the working independent woman in mind, first up, why so few women in top positions in the workplace and what could be done to build a bridge to better balance? And why does it matter? I'm going to be talking to MindCore consultant Portia Moyo, who has some thoughts on that. And similarly, we're also going to be talking to Margaret Harris. She's with the Times Media. But she's also author of the monthly Career Quest supplement in the Sunday Times. To give us an idea of their approach to women in careers, is it something that they are concerning themselves with specifically, or are they just concerning themselves with careers generally? Then after the news, uh, news headlines, we're going to be concerning ourselves with the matter of money. Emotional intelligence being the key to financial success. Well, so says Vangile Makwaka. She is an MBA graduate. She's also author of a book called Heart, Mind and Money. And you might like to give us a call on that one. Maybe she's got some secrets to success that she could share. And if you've got questions, the number to call here is 0892 9210210. And don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us after the show, otherwise at safm.co.za and our Facebook page is otherwise on SAFM. What's news? Well, the ANC Women's League president, Angie, Angie Modsheka, is calling on young women to follow the examples of heroines of the struggle in this Freedom Month. And on Friday, she launched a campaign of series of memorial lectures on them, starting with Charlotte McCleke. And uh, she says, today sets in motion the ANC Women's League campaign of a series of memorial lectures in honour of our heroines. And uh, talking of Charlotte McPherke, she says, it is her example that I want you to follow. She lived by blood and soul according to the sacred principles of Ubuntu, Boto, fellow feeling. It's in this spirit that we all say we want to see across, which is this spirit that we want to see across government and among all public servants. And this, she says, is what the ANCWL expects of young women of our country whom we seek to inspire. Well, there you go. So inspiration from the ANC Women's League there. And uh, on the issue of rape, it comes into focus again, as you heard the outcry in India of the abduction and uh, persistent abuse over 48 hours of a five-year-old. Here in South Africa, a two-year-old victim in Mpumalanga, though, dies having undergone surgery to repair her genitals after the incident. The 29-year-old suspect, a friend of her father, is to put in a bi- another bid for bail, and he's also had his house torched, poor child. And on that, uh, as a mark of respect to Anine Boyson, who you remember died after a brutal rape at an attack in Bredasdorp some months ago, the Minister of Higher Education, Bladen Zamandi, has launched a, pro- a bursary project for 20 matriculants in that area in Bredasdorp who achieved top marks. The aim being, he says, is not to reopen wounds, but to try and prevent such a crime happening again. The idea being that the initiative will result in over 600-odd learners receiving training. Incidentally, the accused uh, of Anine Boyson's murder uh, appeared in court today, but as you heard, the, that the, uh, the case has been postponed. Listening to Otherwise, stay with us. Otherwise, on SAFM. Well, we're starting off today with women in the workplace, and given the statistics on numbers of women in the top positions in the business world, should we be worried? I guess we should be if we look at those figures, but if we are concerned that the balance isn't right, how do we address it? What really is the problem? We have on the line Portia Moyo. She's a consultant at MindCore Executive Search, and she certainly has got some thoughts on the subject. Got her on the line. Hi, Portia. 
Nancy. Nice to have you with us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, actually, we haven't got you on the line. We've got you loud and clear <laughs> in the Joburg studio. <laughs> Lovely to have you there. Sorry not to be there face to face. No, that's all right. Um, Portia, why is it of concern? I mean, let's start with the basics here. You know, we talk a lot about women in the workplace. In fact, I think the, the workforce is 45% women, but very few of those are women in leadership positions. So why is that a problem? I think it's a problem um, because corporate South Africa is losing out on a lot of really capable women. And also um, research has shown that those companies that have um, women on their boards, they actually perform better uh, than those that don't. And so I think it's important, um, it's an issue that we should address because women are consistently saying that they're frustrated, that they find themselves stuck either at middle management or uh, they become so frustrated that they leave and start their own businesses. Which might not necessarily be a, be a bad, bad thing. thing. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So it's not the women themselves who are necessarily, as it were, missing out. It, you're suggesting that the corporates are missing out on, on losing the capabilities of these women. Absolutely, but also women as well. I mean, it, it sometimes limits their options because, as you know, um, in terms of when someone goes to school, goes to universities, they've got aspirations. I mean, I don't think anyone starts out thinking that, you know what, I'm going to have a brilliant career and be stuck at, at um, middle management level or whatever. A lot of people, when they start out, they want to reach the very top. So I think it's important for us to enable women to be able to reach the very top. Yes, it is. And uh, it's interesting to see that you quoted an article you wrote on this. Yes. You quoted that, that now quite uh, well-worn uh, bit, of, bit of research that showed that, I think it was in America, uh, yes. it showed that in some cases where there was a, a, a better representation of women on the boards, those companies were outperforming those that had less women representation. It has been questioned, that bit of uh, research. A any thoughts on that? Um, you know what, it might have been um, a question, but I think <laughs> we can see it from ourselves. For example, mm -hmm. if, you, if you look at the boards that have women in terms of decision-making, I mean, you know that men and women think differently. So you actually then, then have um, better decision-making capabilities. Um, women, for example, are less risk-averse. Yeah. So then if, if you are pulling on just not on men, but also on women, then you're making better decisions. Yes, and you have a greater diversity, and I think a lot yes. of boards are looking for, you know, different different opinions as opposed to, or different mindsets as opposed to just the one. Exactly. It, it's also said, I believe, that, uh, you know, the greater diversity you have on the board, or, or more women you have on the board specifically, uh, the more it may attract female shareholders. I, I don't know if that's true at all? It is, it is true and also not just um, female shareholders but in terms of your, your consumers as well you know, I mean we all know that in, in certain industries um, for example the retail industries it is the women who are actually the ones um, who make the decisions so it actually makes sense for you to have that, that representation on your boards because that way then you have people that are also representing your, your consumers so you mentioned that there's a lot of frustration amongst women, the women yes. who come to you. Why? I mean, they, you know, if they get stuck in middle management, go leave and start their own businesses, what is it that frustrates them? I think what frustrates them is the fact that, that um, I mean, women, we are different, but we're equal. I think it's that lack, it's that lack of acknowledgement that we are different, but we are 
equal. Um, and the fact that for a lot of women, particularly those who have children, uh, that absolutely no allowances are made for them when, you know, when, when their circumstances change, when they now have children, they have to take maternity leave, uh, they have to take their children to the doctors. Um, a lot of women would like to actually um, see their children like in sports, to actually go and watch them, you know, that kind of thing. That there's no allowance made for that. Yeah, so what, the, what you're suggesting is greater flexibility. Absolutely. I mean, that's the number one. I mean, and mm. also, if you just speak to any um, women in the workplace, they will tell you that, that's the, that, that for them, that is the biggest need. And we're not saying that um, we're expecting corporates to make allowances for women to, to p- perform less. But that, you know, they should, perf- it should be output driven, but being given that flexibility um, to be able to perform. For example, you can have things like working from home. You can have things like um, working half day, but then, then continuing to work from home. So I think if it's about output, then it's actually very doable. I mean, if there were greater flexibility in the workplace, it would benefit men as well? It's also, yes, exactly. It would also benefit men because, I mean, let's be realistic. It's not just women who, who look after children because more and more the men as well also are taking responsibility for looking after the children. They also would like the opportunity to sometimes go and watch their children um, when they are playing sports and that kind of thing. Is it really, really what women want? I mean, I don't know how many women you see, but, you know, because it, we talk about, you know, they're frustrated and they really want to get yeah. to the top and it's not happening. I've also heard the reverse, that, you know, women, you know, it, there's enough already. If you've got a lot on your plate, maybe you don't actually want the additional responsibility of being in the top positions. I'm not saying that applies to all women, but there is that... Maybe there are not so many women in top positions because they don't want the top positions. It could be. It could be absolutely Nancy. But at the same time, I think it's because they are discouraged. Mm. Because they see that, you know what, I don't see enough, like, like for example, if someone is in an organization and they, and they don't see um, the top women there, then they actually, they actually then also then just say discouraged. I'll never, you know, there's this whole thing of the glass ceiling. I'll never reach there and that kind of thing. And, and also the fact that, Workplaces having changed to make allowances for gender differences means that women find it very hard um, to reach the top and that they can become burnt out, that kind of thing. So it, that could be the reason why some of them think, you know what, it's not even worth it. Mm. But I think we have to start uh, by changing the environment. Are there any areas of the workplace where women are more more encouraged or more discouraged? You mentioned the retail sector there, where obviously women have very you know very strong purchasing power, and their voices would be quite important there. But are there any notable areas, given those that you work with, where there's active discouragement? Um, you know what? It, there's no active discouragement. All this, I mean, if you look at the policies, I mean, you, you, the policies are not sexist at all, you know, but it's, it's just... On paper. The, it, on paper, exactly, on paper. But it is the culture, it is what is done, it is the old boys' network that actually exists. But on paper, there is nothing. So I, I wouldn't say that um, in, in any organization women would be actively um, discouraged through legislation or through policies, but it should just be through behavior and how they are treated um, in meetings in the boardroom, that kind of thing. So how is that culture, the old boys network or the, you know, the mindset to be shifted? You know what, Nancy, I think it should begin with us women. I really do. I think we should become more active. We should know exactly what we want and ask for it uh, because we cannot, ask, we cannot expect anyone else 
to do it for us. So I think we should really hold our leadership teams accountable. If we see that things are not the way that we want to be, we can't just sit back and say, oh, I'm frustrated. I can't get where I want to be. I really think there, sh- there should be activism um, on part of the women. Is there not? I mean, we come across lots of, uh, well, I'm thinking young women in particular who are very focused. They're very sort of goal-driven uh, and would not be too afraid to ask for what they want. But do you think... You, you know what the problem is, Nancy? The problem is there is not unity. There might, mm. You might find one or two people in an organization willing to stand up themselves. Unfortunately, they don't get the backup of other women. What I'm saying is we should do it collectively, not just one or two uh, people doing it. We should do it collectively and say, you know what, we're not happy about what's happening in this company and hold our leadership teams accountable. It it feels to me like one of the problems could be is if you're really a high achiever Mm. at work, it's a possibility that you may not be achieving so terribly well at home. I was listening to Hanan Puske exactly. on, on Buyo's program this morning. You say you've got to be with your children. And if you've got to be with your children, you are not going to be writing the reports, doing what you've got to do, being at those meetings uh, you know, at all hours of the day. It's really quite difficult to do both it is, well. It is very difficult to do both well, which is why I think the starting point should be for those women who really want to achieve who really want to reach the top, let's, let's, let's support them. Let's create environments where they are able to do that. I mean, as women, uh, a lot of the time you are guilt-driven because you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm leaving work at eight. What's happening with my children? I haven't seen them do their homework and that kind of thing. So if we could make the workplace more friendly towards such things, I think then that, would, that would go a long way. Portia, do stay with us. We're talking to Portia Moyo. She's a consultant at MindCore Executive Search uh, with some ideas on how to get more women in the workplace. So I'd like to know from you in just a minute some concrete thoughts. We're also going to be talking to Margaret Harris. She's uh, one of the writers with uh, the Sunday Times New Career Supplement. So stay with us, Portia. Okay. Need to renew your TV license? Pop into your provincial SABC TV license office, update your details, and you could win a 32-inch LCD TV. So whether you're living in Pretoria, Porokwane, Bloemfontein, Durban, Kimberley, Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, Nelspruit, or Johannesburg, we are here to help with all inquiries. So go local. Step into your SABC provincial office today and stand a chance to win. TV licenses. Making a difference. Come on, Perry, what's taking you so long? Go, 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 go! What the? How do you stall an automatic? I don't, I don't know. Come on, Your car will find a way to punish you if you don't use Keltex Diesel 50 with the cleaning power of Tecron D. Because advanced engines need advanced Keltex Diesel 50. Available at selected Keltex service stations. You're listening to Otherwise Talking Women, and what we're talking about in terms of women is how to get more women at top positions in the workplace, assuming that they want to be there and assuming that they were going to uh, affect some change and uh, good things when they're there. And it certainly sounds like they will. Portia Moyo, um, we are also going to be talking to Margaret Harris. Are you with us, Margaret? I'm right here. Excellent. excellent. Hello, everyone. been listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, Portia, just before we let you go, yes. how, how do you propose to do this? Are you at MindCore? Are you going to give workshops to companies? Are you going to give workshops to women to get them more assertive? What's your strategy? Yes, what our strategy is, is to actually create awareness um, amongst organizations of, of, of the impact 
the, of the positive impact that having women um, can have on the, bo- on, the bottom, on the bottom line. How will you do that? Um, we have, what we do is we have um, workshops that we, that we create. We have not just workshops, we, we have um, get breakfast that we arrange. Um, and then on a quarterly basis and some of those breakfasts, then we actually invite certain um, people from the industry and then we can have that as a topic. What's the response from the men that you are addressing? Because in some ways, you know, by increasing the numbers of women, you would then presumably be decreasing the number of men. Is there a resistance on that part? Not, that at, not, not at all. You know what? I don't think it's about decreasing um, the number of men. I think it's about having equal representation. That's mm-hmm. what it is at, at, at the top level. So, so in a lot of cases, the, the men that we, that we speak to, I mean, a lot of them are supportive um, of, of the ideas. I mean, because they also have wives. Um, they have mothers, you know, that they see going through such things. So a lot of them are supportive. And are you going to uh, be having any workshops for women to strengthen their... Yes, we are. We are yes, we are. We are actually starting um, a series um, of workshops that will be running specifically for, for our women leaders. Okay. Yeah. And how may people get in touch with you if they'd like to know more? Okay, so um, if people can get in touch with me on my email, it's Portia yeah. at MindCore. Yeah. Dot com. Super. Easy. Okay. Yeah. Portia, thank you very much. Thank you so, so much. much, Nancy. Okay. Portia Moyo, she's with MindCore. Well, they are busy with uh, workshops both for businesses and for women themselves. So if you'd like to know a little bit more, pop her an email. It's Portia at MindCore.com. Portia at MindCore.com. Well, Margaret Harris has been listening to all of this. Hi, Margaret. <laughs> Hi, hello. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you're, and you're uh, one of the principal writers, I think, for the Career Quest supplement with the Sunday Times. Tell us what That's your. Right. T- tell us about the Career Supplement. Is it what is it? Is it just simply? I've got the I've got the initial one here. Is it simply uh, advertising jobs, or training people? What's your focus? Uh, well, the focus really is we're looking at at actually trying to get young children, high school kids, mm. starting to think about their career. Um, this would be both boys and girls, obviously, but to start thinking in terms of the kinds of what subjects should they be doing right at school level in order to be able to study what they want to study after school and eventually end up in a career that they will be happy in. Um, so it's kind of getting that, that conversation going. So it would be we're aiming at, at young students or school learners and then even their parents, their teachers, students at university. It's quite a wide range. And we like to, the idea is to give quite a broad idea of what is out there, the kinds of skills you need to start developing, how to handle yourself in an interview, um, and then also research. We've got research that we've, that we've pulled from various places, and then a range of little Q&As, and the Q&As are with people talking about the, the jobs they actually do. So giving people an idea of what is out there. You know, mm-hmm. and often there's a job that you didn't even know existed, and you read about it, and you think, that sounds like exactly what I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. So... The idea is just to sort of open up that area as much as possible and give as much information. It's a jolly good place to, from which to start reshaping the mindsets that Portia was talking about. To you know, make Absolutely. sure that there's, there's an equal balance right from the word go, so that you know, young women and girls are not thinking, "Oh, well, I'm never going to do that." Are you, exactly. are you quite conscious of the gender balance? We are. In fact, I mean, it's one of the, one of the, the stories that is based on some research done by Universum. And one of the things they found, which is quite scary, is that still, yeah, women are paid less for doing the same job mm-hmm. in, in many industries across, across the economy. Um, so you, you still have that, that happening. So 
over and above the issue of, of women being promoted into management and executive positions, they are actually still often not being paid equally for the work they do. Do you have any idea why that is? It's like we're going to be talking about money and, and, and emotional intelligence yeah. and money in just a minute, but why is it? Is it? I don't. I mean, I can't think why women should be paid less. I think. I think. There, I mean, I, I think there could be a range of things. I think on one. On the one hand, you know, the salaries. The whole issue around salaries is still so secret. You're not supposed to know what people earn. The person sitting next in the desk next to you, you don't have a clue what they earn. You could be doing the same work, um, and it's all supposed to be very private. So, in a way, companies are able to do that. And if one person has the, the gumption to go and say to their boss, I think I deserve a raise, and they get the raise and someone else doesn't, and they continue to do pretty much the same work, those things can, you know, can just perpetuate. And I think, you know, in general, Probably women are still, despite the strides we've made, I think women still find themselves that they may have a male boss that they're intimidated by. They may feel somehow that they, they aren't as eloquent or whatever it might be. And so they maybe will not have the, the chutzpah to go and say, I think I need more. You know, this is, I've been doing this job for however many years and I'm doing it well and I get good performance appraisals. I think I deserve more. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure. The research itself doesn't drill down into explaining why it happens. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's. But I'm, I'm surmising that I, I suppose it may come down to really just people not having the, um, the belief in themselves to maybe ask for more. Yeah. I really do wonder how it works. You know, if somebody, if a post becomes vacant and it's been previously uh, taken by a man and a woman comes in, surely they're not going to pay her less just because she's a woman. These are big questions that we're not going to get the answers to right now. But uh, if if you've got thoughts on it, let us know. Otherwise, at safm.co.za. But in your research and looking through your, you know, your initial uh, supplement, there's a very good balance, I would say, a very fair balance of men or male and female faces where you physically can see women's faces in particular jobs. Um, but in talking to women for whom you've done the research, did you get any sense of that frustration that Portia was talking about, that women are, are, are frustrated by the workplace because they it hasn't got the flexibility they want? Absolutely. I think, I think oh. that's... I think, um, Especially women who've kind of, they've been working, they now have a family, they have, you know, children, a husband. Um, I think that the, the, the sense of feeling just overwhelmed is quite widespread. Um, and I think that is, that comes down a lot to not having the flexibility. So in order to, to be able to prove that you are doing the job as well as a male colleague, you need to be present and, you know, visible in the office in many cases. Um, and, and yet now it means that certain things that need to be done at home aren't being done or you're having to farm them out to different, you know, to other people. Um, and so I think there is a sense of, of trying to just have, there are too many balls in the air. I think that that's a, more and more women I speak to, that that's kind of what's coming across. Yeah, so it um, really, really is an issue that needs to be addressed and not just sort of, oh, well, you know. Um, we, we, it's got to happen. Interestingly, at the back of the uh, of your supplement that you've got uh, the 2012 ideal employer rankings. Have you done yes. that? So, you know, the top ones there are KPMG, Coca-Cola, Deloitte, exactly. South African Reserve Bank, and the list goes on. Have you done any work or, or any research, or maybe there's some still to come on those to see how their gender balances and their gender policies are? I can't say that I have, actually, but I would say that that would be very interesting. It would be interesting to see both the numbers and whether there's actual policy in place 
to try and encourage more more women. Certainly, someone I spoke to recently, um, and she was talking about investment banking, which is a very, very, very highly pressured profession. Um, and if a woman starts, you know, straight out of varsity or something like that, or out of doing articles or whatever it might be, they, they, they may pretty much be on an even footing. But in order to make it in that industry, you have to put in incredible hours. You know, really just sort of, you, you pretty much, are, are, if you're not sleeping, you're in the office working. And, and once a woman gets to a point where she gets married and she now might want to have some children, it just is unsustainable. So I think, you know, as you were talking earlier with Porsche, the, the, the industries where there's no actual strict policy to say we will not employ women or we, we don't want women above a certain level, but the, the, the way in which the industry works itself makes it very difficult for women to have it all, you know, yeah. to, to really balance all those commitments that they have. Well, Margaret, we're going to keep our peeps on your uh, supplement to see what sort of genderizing you're doing there. But it certainly is a jolly interesting look at the world of work, you know, through the eyes of, of people who are actually in it. So lovely. Thank you very much. And I think it comes out once a month. Once a month. The next one will be out on the 12th of May. There we go. Lovely. And yeah. if anybody would like to get in touch with you in the meantime, I think you've got a uh, it's uh, Harris Marr at timesmedia.co.za. That's correct. Perfect. Perfect. Lovely. Thanks, Margaret. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Margaret Harris, she is uh, one of the chief writers at the uh, Career Quest, and if you'd like to get in touch with her, it's Harris Marr, H-A-R-R-I-S-M-A-R, at transmedia.co.za. Well, next up, money. Money and emotional intelligence here on Otherwise. But right now it's uh, just after 1.30. Time for the news headlines with Asanda. Thank you, Nancy. Good afternoon. Close to 500 Litaba Estates farm workers outside Zanin in Limpopo have marched to the Citrus Farms Management over the looming layoff of workers. They handed over a memorandum of grievances after they had allegedly received notices that about 200 of them will be retrenched. Three of the five suspects accused of assaulting a Jane First woman, Esther Mankhe, have been granted 2,000 rand bail each by the Nebo Magistrates Court in Limpopo. The two other suspects, who were out on 500 rand bail each, had their bails extended. And thousands of commuters in the low-felt area in Pumalanga are stranded without transportation as bus drivers of the main bus company in the area, Bus Corps, are still on strike. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matsaunyane. Details at 2. Back to you, Nancy. Join Kolari Gwala live from 7 o'clock till 9 p.m. on the 30th of April at Glenhove Conference Centre with the Mail and Guardian and Seoul City Institute for Health and Development Communication as we collectively search for solutions to end violence in our society. A panel of influential guests will discuss issues of violence in South Africa and to book your seat to this special broadcast, email Mahlodi, that's M-A-H-L-O-D-I-M, at mg.co.za or call 011-250-7398. Mail and Guardian, critical thinking forum in partnership with SAFM. Otherwise, on SAFM. Is indeed otherwise here on SAFM, very much behind uh, the idea of discussing ways in which uh, we can end violence in our society. And don't forget that if you'd like to join Golani Gwala on that one, it's between 7 and 9 p.m. That's, uh, I'm not sure if I made that clear, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the 30th of April. Well, right here on Otherwise, talking women, we're talking about the wisdom around money. And uh, we have in the studio Vangile Makwaka. She's the author of Heart, Mind and Money, Using Emotional Intelligence for Financial Success. 
Well, she herself is also an MBA graduate from a management school in Boston, and she's now concentrating her efforts on people and their finances, uh, seeking the link between money and emotions. But I'm thinking uh, people and um, people and their. Uh, I'm thinking rather more women and their money. And if you'd like to give us a call, the number is 0892102010. 0892102010. One Day Leader presents Dinner with the President. Four lucky young people stand an opportunity to join the winner of One Day Leader in a dinner with the President of the Republic of South Africa. If you're a young person actively making a difference in your community, then this is for you. To enter, log on to our Facebook page and keep watching One Day Leader every week on Sundays on SABC One at 6.30 to 7.30. One Day Leader, shaping our future. What you need to shape your future is lots of money if you're going to be <laughs> truly successful and be able to wear the clothes you want and drive the things you want to do. If that's your interest, Vangili Makwaka, lovely to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. The author of Heart, Mind and Money Using Emotional Intelligence for Financial Success. How did you arrive at this? Uh, my own journey, mm. I suppose. I, when I graduated from Boston, it was in 2008 at the height of the U.S. recession. So I decided to start a company for writers. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I've got all this great experience and I majored in entrepreneurship. So now I can do this. And the reality was completely different. I was doing everything right on paper. But the truth was, every time I handled money or had to even think of meeting with people around money, I'd get anxious, I'd get really scared, and it would have like real physical, a real physical impact on me. I started suffering from acid reflux, I got tailbone pain, I got all sorts of crazy things that I'd never had before in my life. And the more that I dealt with these emotions, the more stuff came up and the more my thoughts were all about, you can't do it, you can't do it, or a lot of negative stuff, a lot of blame towards people, society, etc. And that kind of led me down a journey of just saying, you know what, clearly this is impacting my behavior. So I started keeping a journal. Yes, I was really serious. I started like looking at how my emotions, whenever I felt an emotion, an emotion, I had a particular behavior, and I started talking to more and more people, which led me to do more and more research around emotional intelligence, which I'd studied for management purposes in business school, but never really tried to tie, uh, to tie it to financial behavior. So I was like, there's probably a link here. Mm. So that kind of led me down a really interesting road of yeah. studying law of attraction, studying Buddhism, meditating. I did the retreats, started coaching people, did tons of research, more journal studies, looked at financial pieces around emotions and money, and that's how the book came about. Sure. And who paid you to do all that tourism around the business world? Which were you? Were you? Uh, did you take time out to do that? Well, I was working for myself, right? Mm. So um, I actually was able to do it and coach people at the same time. So luckily I got paid enough from coaching, just enough, should I add, that uh, the book was actually my own initiative. Mm -hmm. My thinking around this was, 
You know what? It's clear from all the research that I'm doing, even from Western psychology to Eastern psychology, that my thinking process will always impact my outcome. So until I know how to change my thinking and change my emotions and manage my emotions, clearly my, in, my outcome will always be determined by this. So regardless of however much I earned, and I could see it in my li- in my life, because sometimes you have more clients and sometimes you have less less clients, and I'd always end up in the same situation, no matter how many clients I had or how much money I made. So for me, that was a no-brainer. That you know, I'd, it's like you're changing what you're doing, you're earning more, but you're still stuck. You're still finding yourself in the same financial situation, and that's when I knew that there was something deeper. It didn't matter i realized that it didn't matter how much money i was making because until i understood how to change my financial behavior i'd always find myself in debt i'd always find myself struggling and i just didn't want that when you say i was working i was working for myself what what were you actually doing oh i have a company um we do online writing courses and we also oh, yeah. promote spoken word poetry and it's fall in love with writing.com we've just launched an uh, a writer's blog course so one of the things that happened obviously <laughs> when i say my emotions completely ran me over was that i started this writing company i needed to be a writer or to write something to connect with other writers And I'd never suffered from writer's block in my life. I instantly got writer's block. It was like the day I registered the company, it was the same day that I got writer's block. And I struggled with it for three years. And that was also part of the journey of releasing all those emotions that were keeping me blocked from being a writer. So, yes, I could continue to research, but I couldn't write a thing. And the day that I became unblocked was also the time when I could, like, sit took all my research and just like wrote the book in like a space of four to six months. I just collected all that research and I could just write for Mm. hours because a lot of that emotional baggage was no longer holding me back because at the back of my mind as well were the limiting thoughts and all those negative thoughts and those negative emotions that if I write, then I'd have to deal with money. I'd have to deal with other people. I'd have to deal with a lot of things that I'm trying to avoid. And I guess one of the things that I also talk about in the book is the idea of using money as punishment. I was so angry that at the back of my mind, one of the things I realized was that if I made money, then people in my life that had hurt me would be able to say, you know what, we didn't hurt her that much. Look at that. She's doing well. So a lot of us will subconsciously keep ourselves blocked so that we can punish others and rely on our family. Because, I mean, what is the easiest way to punish people that have hurt us and their family is to just be financially dependent on them. Mm. You know, so a lot of us use that tactic. And I realized that a part of me was using that tactic and I had to release it and just get over it and... That's when I was able to really start doing my writing and doing my business. And things started to really only come together yeah. when I released those things. It sounds, you know, given the work that you do, falling in love with writing.com, it sounds like, I'm sorry to be use this sort of cliche, but it sounds like technically you're quite a right brain person. You're quite a sort of, you know, that's where you are, your default is in the right brain, where you're quite a creative person. So it sort of follows. Uh, 
that in the left brain space, which would perhaps be the financial one, that's where you come unstuck. No? No, no. I studied finance at UCT. So I'm okay, so that a number so person. Yeah. <laughs> I love numbers. I can, it's weird. I'm one of those people, and I know a lot of people who always say like, you know, I can see other people's problems so easily and I can handle it, but it's like you give me a spreadsheet and you give me like, uh, like things to analyze. I used to be a mining and energy analyst and give me stuff to analyze and I can do it, but let me have to deal with my own finances and have to deal with my emotions around that. Then the fear comes in, yeah. the anger, the blame all that negativity sure. and all those emotions. So it's, not, so it's not the numbers as such. It's the fact that it's money, filthy lucre, the stuff that people use. It's the, it's the money aspect. And that it's related directly to yeah. me. So Is it because you're a woman? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't think it's gendered at all? You know, I mean, I asked that because uh, I was talking to Portia and, you know, I mean, we hear it again and again, women are paid less mm-hmm. and it's often said that women are paid less because they are not, don't stand up for themselves and ask for more. Are we, as a gender, are we fearful of money? You know, I would maybe have said, ah, uh, yes, this is limited to women. Maybe if I didn't know and hadn't done the research that I'd done, but I've had clients that were male and were equally as terrified. I get emails now that the book is out and people are constantly emailing me, men email me to say, you know what, I think I hate money because I had X amount of money in March or January and then I used it all in like five minutes. I found a way to get rid of it or I read your book and I'm scared. I think I have an anger issue around money, blah, blah, blah. So what I'm noticing is that no, it's not that. It's not about men or women. Yes, I think with women, there is a book actually when you were talking to Pasha that I remembered from business school. It's called Women Don't Ask, the Gender Bias in Negotiation. It's because women, a lot of times money will impact us more adversely, not having money because we've been taught to play nice. So we have all these emotions Mm -hmm. around money being something that if we talk about it or we start to open, uh, being open about it, then people will think that we're good, we're gold diggers, and nice girls just don't talk about finances. So that's true, and that automatically for women, most of us will have a lot more fear, a lot more anxiety around money, and a lot more guilt, especially if you earn a lot of money. I see a lot, a lot of women that have a lot of guilt and shame because, oh my gosh, I earned so much money, and there's that whole voice at the back of their head that they were taught that you know nice girls play nice and Mm. if you make a lot of money then you're not being a nice girl but that doesn't mean men don't struggle with these issues as well similar issues and that whole litany of physical things that you felt as a result of all the issues that you have with money is very real (laughs) so just looking at the book then how have you broken it down have you looked at what some of the negative things are and what solutions do you offer Yes. So the book explores 25 different emotions, and each emotion has its own specific chapter. So the the structure of the book is such that first uh, the first part just looks at emotions from a Western point of view and an Eastern point of view, ancient Greek, how Buddhists view emotions, and then it also looks at emotions from an economist point of view, like money from an economist point of view, and explains how behavioral economics has started to change the 
not i guess like the traditional way of of economics of the traditional thinking in economics which is neoclassical and keynesian economists which always believe that human beings are rational and how behavioral economics is saying no emotions play a role so then the book looks at the 25 different emotions it looks at where the emotions sit in the human body and uh how they impact us physically and then it looks at how they impact behavior in general how they impact hum uh financial behavior in particular and then also gives solutions on how you can deal with each emotion and become aware if you're being driven by that particular emotion when it comes to your finances and it's got tons and tons of research and books as well that it gives you to go explore further if you're interested in a particular topic or theory. So a good book to carry in your handbag. So if you're beginning to feel any one particular emotion you could quickly look it up and see what you can be doing about it. Well, very very briefly, um let's take the emotion of guilt you mentioned that a lot of women feel guilt. Any one tip that comes to the top of your mind that you can get rid of your feelings of guilt about money? Yes. So with guilt the best way to manage guilt is to give yourself permission because guilt is a feeling is a feeling that drives us behavior wise to pay restitution for whatever we believe we've done wrong so it drives us to give away money because then we don't have to deal with it or it drives us to undercharge for our services or undercharge for salaries wise like under negotiate come in at a lower salary so we never have to feel guilty so just give yourself permission and the way that you give yourself permission is you can do a simple affirmation look in the mirror and just say i give myself permission to be wealthy or i give myself permission to be the best i can be because i'm worth it because i'm worth <laughs> it yes and guilt comes with so many issues mm. around self-worth guilt and shame are absolutely one of the most damaging emotions when it comes to money because they clog up the third chakra which is around the stomach area the liver all that around and in eastern philosophy there's a belief that the third chakra is what drives us to take action and create things in this world So it's not necessarily going to make you money but it's going to get rid of the stumbling blocks and all the negative things that is standing in the yes. way. Thank you. Thank you. It's Thank I shall you. go and talk to myself in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Say that I'm worth it. Thank you, Makwakwa. And if you'd like to know a little bit more the book is called Heart, Mind and Money and it's published by Jakarta and we'll put those details up on our Facebook page. Heart, Mind and Money using emotional intelligence for financial success. Thank you, Makwakwa. Thank you very much. And thank Next team uh that's uh, Hazel Macrozeni and Garnet and Quinica and next up it's time for Sharp Sharp the children's program